Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We hear uh, just a few verses from the Old Testament lesson again, Isaiah chapter 65. For I will create new heavens and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. We pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. Some beautiful hymns being sung on this last Sunday of the church here, reminding us of what is to come. Uh, but first I want to talk about John Lennon. Beatles uh, member who wrote that very popular song in 1971 called Imagine in which he expressed his belief or hope that there is no hell and no heaven for that matter. If you read all the lyrics to that song, you see it's a Marxist, it's, it's a communist promoting, promoting song. But then again, he was hoping or expressing his hope that there was no hell. Um, my pastor, my confirmation pastor told me when I asked him, is there a hell? And he said he didn't think so. So this was uh, and is a very common belief. People would like it not to be true. But from a biblical perspective, there are two problems. First of all, there's scripture. It's just very clear that scripture says, yes, there is a hell, including our epistle lesson for today and, and also uh, words that Christ says very closely related to our gospel lesson for today. Uh, they will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They will go away into eternal punishment. So there it is in black and white. Hell is a reality according to Christ and scripture. But the other problem is this, if there is no hell, then why did he send his son and have him endure such great humiliation? Why did he have him suffer and die? These events in the whole Christian religion make no sense if there is no hell. If everyone either goes to heaven or non-existence, then why all this suffering? This would all be a bunch of unnecessary and useless work if everyone goes to heaven or into non-existence, if there is no real hell to be saved from. But today, our focus will not be on hell, but the opposite of hell. The new heavens and the new earth mentioned in our Old Testament lesson, the epistle lesson, we also find it in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven 
and the first earth had passed away. So, the present heaven and earth, the universe as we often call it, that we currently live in, is going to be destroyed. And another one that is beyond this life, beyond this world, beyond the universe, beyond time and space, the new heavens and the new earth will replace it, will replace this present heaven and earth. And just so you know, the new heavens and the new earth are not the opposite of the one we live in right now, because there are some similarities, but the new heavens and the new earth will be opposite of hell. So I'm going to uh, give you five amazing aspects of this new heaven and new earth, uh, partly so we would desire it and want to be there because it is so amazing. So here they are. Number one, no more remembrance. I was the Dean of Students at Bethany Lutheran College. And uh, to this very day, I will run across a former student who will sheepishly admit that he was in my office for some sort of discipline. And I often say to that person, I honestly do not remember that, which can be maybe kind of a comfort to that person. The past events, Isaiah says, will not be remembered remembered or come to mind. The saints who are there will not remember the bad things, the sins, the rebellion, the sadness, the pain, the loss, something that you did or experienced here that caused you pain or depression, that embarrassed you, brought tears, brought guilt, anything connected with the fall or sin or imperfection or death will not be remembered. Number two, unending perfect beauty. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Everything there will be, quote unquote, made in heaven, or more accurately, will be Jesus made. It will be a great work of art and architecture that we will be a part of, that will never stop satisfying the senses. And think of something maybe your father or grandfather made for you when you were a child. I made this, this model horse barn for my children you know, over 30 years ago. It still exists, but it doesn't quite look what it, like, what it used to look like. But everything here especially everything here that is man-made, is decaying and will eventually be destroyed. But there in the new heavens, in the new earth, things will not decay. Their beauty will not fade over time. There will be no ugliness. Nothing will ever get boring. So you will, in a sense, you might say, be able to be there and explore caves and mountains and streams and waterfalls and 
overseas, and they will never, ever lose their beauty or their wonder. And C.S. Lewis tries to describe this, and he does a pretty good job in the Chronicles of Narnia, and I may have shared this with you before, but when the children enter what is the new heavens and the new earth, he says that's chapter one, when they first get there. Here's how he puts it. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Number three, perfect harmony. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like cattle. There will be perfect harmony between God and all creatures and all beings in the new heavens and the new earth. If creatures are there other than humans and angels, they will be awesome, not awful. They will not fear us. We will not fear them. You will not be saddened by the death of any creatures, even if you have a pet up there, because there is no death. There will be no uh, ugliness of, of maggots, so to speak. Now, Paul describes it this way in Romans 8. The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Number four, perfect bodies. The people there will have real bodies, but they will be glorious, honorable, powerful, imperishable, immortal. And Paul put it this way, Christ will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. Or one of my favorite passages from Isaiah 40, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Our bodies will not get old. They will be ageless. They will not grow frail. There'll be no need for cataract surgery, no blood pressure pills, no crutches, no walkers, no cholesterol medication, no need for colonoscopies, no chemotherapy, no surgeries, no CPAP machines. In fact, there'll be no doctors, no psychiatrists, no psychologists, no therapists, no counselors, no social workers, no parole officers, no sheriff, no deputies, no armies. They won't be necessary. Number five, perfection within. Those there will have per perfect joy, glorious rest, everlasting mercy, unlimited comfort, eternal pleasures. There will be no more loneliness, no fear, no pain, no weeping, no crying, no mourning, no anger from God because there's no sin there. And because there's no sin there, there will be no death there. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
what is to come in the new heavens and the new earth is barely imaginable now. Barely. What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. And the important question is, why are they there in the new heavens and the new earth? Why will they no longer remember sorrow, sin, pain? Why will they know only perfect and unending beauty and harmony and imperishable and glorious bodies and joy? There's a particular scene in Revelation, the book of Revelation, that reminds them and us of the answer. Revelation 5. And again, this is a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. They are there. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And they fell down before the lamb, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Again, this is the new heavens and the new earth where this takes place. And it tells us who we will see and who we will focus on above all. And it tells us who our praise will be directed toward above everyone and everything else. And who is that one? It's this one who is a king and a lamb. And this scene, therefore, is also a reminder of the most important day and event in the history of of the world. This scene is a reminder of Good Friday. So let's go there. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and threw a purple robe around him. They repeatedly came up to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and were slapping his face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him outside to you to let you know that I find no grounds for charging him. He was innocent. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. Here is your king. But they shouted, Take him away. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Should I crucify your king? They replied, We have no king but Caesar. So he handed him over to be crucified. We have no king but Caesar. Well, they should have had another king besides Caesar. And it should have been this Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. 
Why? Because he alone conquered. He conquered there and your enemies, the enemies that count. And he conquered them by allowing himself to be slain, by becoming a sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I slayed him. You slayed him. I crucified him. You crucified him. But this is how he conquered. His blood conquers your sins. His blood cleanses you from all your sins. And his blood has conquered your eternal death, your hell. So why will those in the new heavens and the new earth be there where the past events are not remembered, where there will be this unending harmony and beauty, immortal, imperishable, and glorious bodies and endless joy? Because while they were alive here on earth, they bowed before Jesus as king and truly believed and trusted he was the Lamb who conquered their sin and their eternal death. Will you be there? How do you know? Well, who are you? What is your nature like? Is it a nature that requires the sacrificial work and blood of Christ? If from the heart you say yes, do you also believe that he is the king who became the Lamb of God for you? Know then that the new heavens and the new earth are yours. Then the king will say to you, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.